On the Record with White House Correspondent April Ryan. I'm April Ryan with On the Record with April Ryan. Well, it was an exciting weekend at one of the largest events of its kind, the Essence Festival in New Orleans, Louisiana. Politicians, thinkers, thought provokers, as well as civil rights leaders and just the American public, the black American public, converged on New Orleans, Louisiana for the empowerment of women. One of those on hand was the woman who wants to be governor of the state of Georgia, the first African-American woman if it does happen in November to be that. I'm talking about Stacey Adams, the Democratic gubernatorial nominee for Georgia. What say you in this in this moment of Trump, this moment of heightened racial tension, uh, division? What do you think about that? I, I think that we have to hold to the truth we've always known, which is that diversity matters and that having your experiences reflected in your politics matters. It has been the legacy of communities of color, especially the black community, for generations. And my campaign is about making certain that every voice is lifted up, especially those that are left behind, and that I'm changing the face of what leadership looks like in America. You are um, in a red state. This is a red state. So what will your message, message be once you are governor? How do you dampen the fears, quell the concerns? I, I frame it differently. I think Georgia is a purple state that hasn't fully activated. Actually, I think we're blue. I think we are a state that has a dramatic change, not only in demography, but we have always been a state that has been on the leading edge of progress, and we have forgotten that. But I intend to bring us back to that space where we expand Medicaid because we know health care is both a moral issue and an economic issue. I believe in continuing to reduce our incarceration rates because we are wasting human capital if we do not invest. I believe that we have to do better work about jobs and putting money in the pockets of families. And as excited as I am about Amazon possibly bringing 50,000 jobs, I intend to be the governor who invests in 5,000 small businesses so they can create 10 new jobs because there are 50,000 jobs that never leave our state. And I intend to use the platform of the governor's mansion to put money into families' pockets, but to make sure that everyone has the freedom and opportunity to thrive. Prosperity belongs to everyone, but we have to have an organized leadership that recognizes it and is willing to work for it, and that's what I'm going to do. Once you become governor, you're going to have a, um, a white hot spotlight on you, particularly at the White House. How do you plan to deal with President Trump? Because you're going to have to deal with President Trump. I, I, I have built my campaign, but more importantly, I've built my leadership, my political leadership, my business leadership, my civic leadership. I'm being able to work with everyone, but never compromising my values. And I think we often see this as a, a dialectic that we either have to compromise who we are to get what we want, or we just abandon what we want. I've worked very effectively across the aisle, but I've never once had to concede on reproductive choice, on believing in labor unions, on reducing criminal justice, criminal incarceration. I can work with anyone, but I am never going to deny who I am and what I stand for in order to make it work. My job is not to change who you are. My job is to get you to do what we need to do to move the country forward and move Georgia forward. Anything else you'd like to add? I will add a personal plug. So the other thing I'm, I'm pushing hard is one of the most important pieces of what I'm doing in this moment is owning leadership in a way that minorities are often told not to. And I have a book called Minority Leader, uh, which is about leading from the outside and creating real change. And that's one of the reasons I've spent so much time talking about my personal debt, for example, because we have to be able to talk about the challenges and not let them be used as weapons against us. 
the average person has debt. The average person has a, a person in their family who's faced challenges. If we let that diminish our capacity for leadership, we are never going to be in charge. My mission is to tell my story so that other people know their stories are real and honest and those stories can be told as well. Your test is a testimony for others. I couldn't say it better. I also got a chance to talk with Mark Moriel. It's all about issues in Washington. If you've been talking to the Trump administration about prison reform, um, how is that going? Well, Hakeem Jeffries, uh, Van Jones, Cedric Richmond, and I uh, have uh, worked together on a prison reform bill called the First Step Act. That bill has uh, support from Jared Kushner, uh, the president's son-in-law. And I think what's accurate is that uh, all of us uh, have been in discussions about how to get a prison reform bill through a very difficult and divided Congress. Uh, we achieved a small victory, but an important victory when the House Judiciary Committee and later the House passed this prison reform bill. Now, I would like broader criminal justice reforms. Prison reform is a small step. It doesn't go far enough, but my... It doesn't include sentencing. It does not include sentencing, and sentencing reform is not enough either. You have to have sentencing reform, uh, prison reform, bail reform, public defender reform. If you're going to do it, I'm a former criminal defense lawyer. Uh, if you're going to do criminal justice reform comprehensively, there are many elements to it. It's clear in this environment, passing a sentencing reform bill is difficult. Passing a prison reform bill uh, is difficult. But we've decided, uh, many of us, that we're not going to allow the politics of the moment to get in the way of any ability to do something, even if it is a modest step in the right direction that would help some three to 4,000 people be released from prison early. So two more things. Um, what's the, t the conversation about privatization? Because that's a big issue. There's profitability and the privatization of prisons. Where does that fall in this dialogue with the White well, I'll House? I'll tell you, it's not been part of my dialogue with anyone, uh, but my, my position is clear. And we pushed uh, and also secured the support of the Obama administration in its final months uh, to cut back on private prisons in the federal system. The Attorney General Jeff Sessions has reversed those steps. That's a bad move. That's not a good move. Look. And he's also the one that's stopping the prison reform, I mean, the sentencing reform part. He's been an obstacle to sentencing reform. He has been hostile to any type of criminal justice reform. Uh, I think what is absolutely fair is that uh, uh, his obstinance has made something that ought to be easier to do, given the bipartisan support, much more difficult to do. Look, the criminal justice system in the United States is broken. Mass incarceration is an expensive problem. And black people uh, and are in black there. black people are disproportionately affected by a broken bail system, a uh, broken sentencing system, a broken prison system, the lack of a commitment to re-entry. We do re-entry at the National Urban League, but we don't do it in every city. We don't uh, 
do it at the magnitude and the level we'd like to, but our programs are proof positive that uh, re-entry programs work, that you can help people turn their lives around to come gainfully employed and be good citizens. And lastly, um, Monday, President Trump in a prime time announced his next pick for U.S. Supreme Court um, to fill Justice Kennedy's seat. Your thoughts? The Senate should not vote or consider the confirmation of anyone he appoints until after January. Why? For two reasons. Number one, there's an active competition for control of the Senate this fall. Number two, I think that the fact that this uh, president and this administration are on an active uh, aggressive criminal investigation being led by Mr. Mueller should not be dismissed. Uh, I would also add that I would like to see the Senate press any nominee to commit to recuse themselves from consideration of any matter in any way related to the investigation should they become a justice of the Supreme Court because I think it'll be an absolute conflict for them to consider uh, any issue that might come to the Supreme Court on the investigation after having been nominated by President Trump, who is the subject, the target, or person of interest in this investigation. Now, I, I understand it clearly about um, Russia and the probe, the, pro, the Russia probe with Mueller. But on the other piece, do you think... Could it be viewed as a ploy, a political ploy, just to wait for after the election? Because we, we saw what happened with Merrick Garland. We Look, let, let's say this. Mitch McConnell introduced the idea, quote unquote, that the voters should have a say in who the next Supreme Court justice is. The appointment of a justice is a two-part process. It involves two branches of government. Not just the president, but also the Senate. Mitch McConnell made the argument that because, quote, the presidency was contested and we should allow the voters to determine before there's consideration of a justice, now, why doesn't the same principle hold now that the other branch of government, which is the branch that has to vote to confirm, its control is up in the air? So I saw Mitch uh, McConnell trying to make a distinction that there was no presidential election. But that's a sleight of hand. It's a two-branch process to install a Supreme Court justice. The president shall appoint with the advice and consent of the Senate. It's not just a presidential appointment. It requires Senate confirmation. So we believe strongly that there ought to be no consideration so that the voters can send a message as to what type of justice they want. This is a pivotal seat, April. We could lose so much if the wrong, if a justice who's hostile to civil rights, to human rights, to individual rights, to the Bill of Rights is nominated for confirmation.
Mark Muriel, the head of the National Urban League. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.